0: Introducing Rob and Barb. Oh so, I ask one thing uh, for group participation, and at the end of this 40 second long song, you have to say or yell certain words, which we have on some signs here to help you. So we'll say Marvel by the month. I will also yell with you, so you're not alone. But after that, no participation. Nobody's going to come out and like torch song and sit in your lap or anything. Just, <laughs> this is it. Okay, everybody know these words? Have you heard this song before? Okay. <laughs> I'm going to screw it up. Let's do this. <laughs> the Man and Jack the King, Men of Iron and Ankles with Wings, 12 cents admission to the show where monsters, gods, and heroes go.
1: Thank you so much of you for showing up. This is great. Uh, we had no idea what to expect, um, so having no expectations, you have wildly exceeded them. <laughs> well, uh, welcome to Marvel by the Month. Uh, this is a weekly podcast about the monthly history of Marvel Comics. My name is Ryan Stratton.
0: And mine is Rob Milne. Uh
1: And this is the first ever live episode of Marvel by the Month. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this thing. Uh, We are here in Comic City, USA, Portland, Oregon, at our very favorite comic book store in town, Books with Pictures. And Mm -hmm. before we get rolling, uh, we really want to give a big shout out to Katie Proctor. This is her shop, um, and we're, we want to thank her not just for letting us set up here and putting up with this nonsense in her store, uh, but with Books With Pictures, uh, Katie has done something really incredible. Um, now, Rob and I, are we're old men. Uh, I think we can say that, Yeah, for we, sure. <laughs> we have been comics readers since we were very young men. Um, we've been doing this for many, many, many years. Uh, when we were growing up, there just weren't comic book stores like books with pictures. Um, we have fond memories of the, a few of the stories that we went to as <laughs> kids, but um, there's a reason that comic book guy from The Simpsons exists as a character. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that guy. We have seen him a thousand times uh, in uh, a thousand shops and, and comic book conventions. Uh, Katie's pretty much the opposite of uh, comic book guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, take a look at this store. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. It's clean. It's well-lit. It's comfortable and welcoming to anyone who walks through the door. Um, we've got all your standard, you know, Muscle Man punch books. Punch, um, punch. Yeah, over here, you know, which, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, they're here for you and we for the record, are very much into those things. We do read
0: those, as Uh, well as others, but
1: yes. (laughs) But um, but Katie's done really uh, just a beautiful job of emphasizing uh, the kinds of comics that they're not published by multi-billion dollar global entertainment conglomerates. Um, When you walk in the front door of the store, you're immediately exposed to Uh, comics by local creators, uh, comics that are owned by their creators, um, comics produced by women, by LGBTQ creators, uh, by creators of color. Um, And Katie has really worked her ass off to create a place where diverse audiences can discover uh, diverse comics. And that's exactly what the industry needs if it's gonna remain viable. Um, And so speaking as two guys who have loved comics our entire lives, uh, Katie, thank you so much for what you are doing (laughs) for this industry and for this community. Uh, And now it's time to spend the next hour or so talking about a bunch of comics produced by and starring a bunch of straight white dudes. Um, (laughs) So without any such as the past. Yes. Um, So, uh, yeah, usually we start off the show uh, with a little bit of uh, historical context. Um, We like to uh, give a sense of so let me back up a little bit. Uh, the premise of this show, if you've never heard it, is that each episode we talk about one month of Marvel comics. Uh, we started with November, 1961 when the first issue of fantastic four hit the stands. Um, and, uh, now we are at may 1965. Um, and, uh, so the cover dates that are listed on comics were actually the dates that they were meant to be pulled off of newsstands. Uh, not when they went out there. So, uh, they were first hitting, uh, these issues were hitting the stands in March, March of yeah. 65. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was happening in the world in March 1965? Uh, Rob, you want to kick us off with some, uh, uh, some
0: cheery subject matter? It's always so not matter? cheery. Um, Vietnam. Here's, here we go. Uh, on, on March 2nd, 1965, operating, Operation Rolling Thunder, the daily bombing of North Vietnam by the United States began. Uh, the first raid was on an ammunition dump in North Vietnamese territory, 35 miles north of the D- DMZ, the dematillerized de- I can't say it now, de- <laughs> the Absorbing DMZ. Absorbing man.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah, and everybody, all my friends that are here know I can't say syringe either. I might have said it right yeah, you there. You did. Okay. Good job. Man. Okay. Uh, why am I talking on a mic all the time? Uh, And so this did serious damage. So the the first raid was an ammunition dump and it cost uh, three F-105 and two F-100 fighters and the capture of the one surviving pilot of the five. So uh, it was a costly first raid. Uh, Historian would later note, America was shocked that its large, high-tech, expensive air force in combat for the first time since the Korean War had been humbled by a third world country, a communist one at that. Yeah, yeah. Um, The operation would have 700,000 sorties until it's until its halt on uh, Halloween 1968 without bringing any visible end to the Vietnam War. Wow. So yeah, Vietnam. Here we are. We're in it. Or we're in it where we live. Yeah. We, we, we're like Kang. We travel back and forth through time. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, and then uh, later on that month, on the 8th of March, 1965, uh, the first American military combat troops arrived in South Vietnam. 1,400 members of the United States Marines in combat gear came ashore at Da Nang Bay. Um, there were already 23,000 military personnel in South Vietnam, um, but this deployment represented the first body of Americans to go to Vietnam as a fighting military unit. So... Um, it's absolutely on at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Every day.
0: Every dang day. Uh, Civil (sighs) rights. Yeah. Sometimes we get a glimpse of hope in this uh, report, but let's see what we get. Yeah. Uh, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) On the 7th of March, 1965, uh, a march of 550 civil rights demonstrators was broken up violently by 200 members of the Alabama highway patrol, as the protesters began their march from Selma, Alabama, to the state capitol at Montgomery. Um, in, in response to the killing of Jimmy Lee Jackson, Hosea Williams, and John Lewis, uh, started from the Brown Chapel AME Church and proceeded over the Edmund Pettus Bridge on U.S. Route 80 with a petition for Alabama Governor George C. Wallace, who we've talked about a lot. Yeah. He's a real... Uh, He's a piece of work. Peach.
1: Yeah. Um. So uh, basically... This march, they tried to do this march three times. Um, The first time, uh, they did not get across the bridge. Um, uh, The officer in charge of the troopers told them, I've I've got orders from the governor, you cannot march down Highway 80. This is for your protection. Um, And then uh, when the marchers began kneeling in prayer, rather than turning back, the troopers came forward and began beating the people with billy clubs, then dispersed the crowd with tear gas, again, for their protection. Um, it would be uh, commemorated in the American Civil Rights Movement as Bloody Sunday, um, and a second attempt to cross the bridge was also halted by Georgia State Police two days later. So,
0: yeah, not good news, yeah. as usual. Um, on the 15th of March, President Johnson spoke to a joint session of Congress and a nationwide television audience to call for federal legislation that would become the Voting Rights Act of 1965. So something positive is happening on this side. Yeah. Uh, it, he said, no law that we now have on the books and I have helped to put three of them there can ensure the right to vote when local officials are determined to deny it, said Johnson. So he understood that, uh, federal mandate wasn't being upheld locally in many places. Yeah. So the Voting Rights Act of 65 did pass,
1: uh, ultimately in August of 1965. Um, but, uh, Well, this is all still going on in March. Uh, On the 21st, uh, homemade time bombs were found in five locations in African-American neighborhoods in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, uh, One was located inside a black Roman Catholic church uh, wired to 36 of dynamite. Uh, Others were located at a lawyer's house, a funeral parlor, outside of a high school, and in a home that had once been occupied by the brother of Martin Luther King Jr., and this um, is
0: a month away from the shooting of Malcolm X. Right? Yeah, so, Malcolm X uh, had
1: been assassinated the previous month. Yeah, uh,
0: So there's just a lot of terrible things. Yeah. The, the usual. Yeah. Um,
1: but yeah. uh, the march continued. Uh, they did a, a third attempt at the march um, from uh, Selma to uh, Montgomery, Alabama um, on the 25th. Uh, this time, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. and 25,000 civil rights activists successfully Uh, executed the march. Um, King, uh, once they got to Montgomery, uh, he gave a speech, a very famous speech titled, How Long, Not Long? Um, This is the speech where uh, he uh, had the famous quote, uh, How long, not long, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Um, And uh, after arriving at the state capitol, a group of marchers tried unsuccessfully to present a petition to Governor Wallace, who declined to meet with them, uh, and sent his executive secretary in his place.
0: Uh, so the story of the Selma to Montgomery march is recounted in the graphic novel *March*, written by John Lewis and Andrew Aydin, and yeah. illustrated by Nate Powell. Yeah, it's right there. Yeah, um,
1: I'm. You should, if you have not read this already, you should uh, get yourself a copy. And I'm sure Katie would be happy to help you out with that. Um, it's right there. Um, so, uh, that's the biggest story, uh, in civil rights, uh, in March of 65. Um, and then there is a little bit of regionally relevant news. Um, on the 3rd of March, uh, Lincoln city, Oregon was created by the merger of five towns, uh, Cutler city, DeLake, Nelscott, Ocean Lake, and Taft. Uh, the name was suggested by a group of, uh, school children, um, in a <laughs> contest. And that's why Lincoln city is Lincoln city. So. There wow. you go. Uh, oh, no. So that's, uh, that's basically a little bit of historical context for March 65 to kind of ground um, us in, you know, where we are uh, as a culture as these uh, issues are coming out. Um, and now we move on to my favorite part of the podcast. In my <laughs> least favorite part of the podcast. So uh, this one's called Marvel by the Minute. Um, when we started doing this podcast, uh, when we were first, you know, Fantastic Four number one had come out. Um, we were covering months where Marvel only pu- published one or two issues in a month, and it was really easy for us to just go into detail on all of them and you know, go panel by panel and just look at this amazing Jack Kirby artwork uh, and, and that. Uh, well, then one or two issues became three or four, uh, and then eight, nine, or ten a month, um, and it just became impossible for us to be able to go into detail on all of them every week. Um, so we, and by we, I mean I, uh, created this segment called Marvel by the Minute, uh, where uh, we give Rob 60 seconds to summarize each issue that we're not going to take a deep dive on. Um, it's Rob's favorite
0: segment of the podcast and he really loves it. This is harder without beer too. (laughs) I'm feeling it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it, it is a little stressful though. So I was hoping that, uh, since we have a live audience here tonight, um, I've got my little countdown timer here, uh, and I was hoping that uh, y'all could uh, help Rob out by loudly counting down the last 10 seconds. uh, So that'll really help him Uh. focus and manage his anxiety. Oh, Um, God. I'm going to get hives. (laughs) So uh, here's our first uh, issue, Rob. Uh, (laughs) It's Strange Tales number 132. Uh, This one's called The Sinister Space Trap. Uh, It was written by Stan Lee. Uh, The art was by Dick Ayers, uh, inked by Paul Reinman. Um, uh, And there's another story here that I didn't put on the presentation. Oh, this is uh, Dr. Strange uh, versus Mordo. Yes, exactly. Round three. Yes, face-to-face at last with Baron Mordo, written by Stan Lee, art by Steve Ditko with George Bell, continuation of
0: Dr. Strange's battle versus Baron Mordo, who's been powered up by Dormammu. And if you're wondering, this is exactly what I do every time we record. He's talking, doing the preamble, and I'm just ripping through a comic as fast as i can on my ipad uh and i still sound like an idiot so here we go here we go all right rob well uh i've got 60 seconds on the clock are you ready to try to do this uh whatever
1: all right let's do it
0: okay so uh this the space trap nasa is trying to put some magnets into space for some reason they have a questionable scientist they uh so they bring Johnny Storm in to be the astronaut undercover, but he's a pretty public figure. Uh, so the guy figures it out really fast. Ben shows up trying to be undercover. He's an orange Rocky man. Uh, they uh, they basically pre- get prevent this. Johnny almost dies in space, but is able to get into the atmosphere before he uh, turns uh, flames on. Uh, and then they capture this guy. I think I'm running out of time already. I can feel it. Although, so you know when you are. Mordo is uh, finally Doctor Strange is fighting Mordo in the in this, uh, and he is powered up by the Dread Dormammu. We have uh, this this big fight, and actually, we end with Doctor Strange going into a question mark of darkness. Five. Oh. I rarely remember how they end. I'm like, two people fought, and I think one won. Probably yeah. the hero. Uh, and I'm I'm wrong all the time with that. That's, that's uh, maybe the best time you've ever done that. That's... I did really cut out a bunch of stuff about Dory and the 113 dates that were broken by Johnny Storm. Oh. Hey, we mumble after this every time. <laughs>
1: all right, all right. Let's see if you can keep the streak rolling. Uh, our yeah. next issue is uh, Tales of Suspense, number 65. So every issue of tells a of suspense. You got an Iron Man story. You got a Captain America story. So the Iron Man story is called When Titans Clash. Fun fact: When I was in high school, I wrote a book about my friends called When Titans Clash. What? Yep. Um, and uh, it was written by Stan Lee. Uh, the art is by Don Heck, uh, inked by Mickey DiMeo, um, who uh, was Mike Esposito uh, working under a fake name. Um, I, I assume because he was working for someone else at the time, DC. DC. Yeah, there you <laughs>
0: go. Um, if you're going to moonlight between DC and Marvel, you need a pen name. Yeah, That's what happens. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, and then we've got a uh, Captain America story, uh, The Red Skull Strikes, written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, inked by Chick Stone. Uh, it's set in World War II. Um, and this is actually an adaptation of a story that came out in 1941 in the first issue of Captain America comics. They just uh, slightly rewrote and completely redrew it for,
0: uh, for this issue. Oh, man. That's all I'm going to give you, man. Dang, dang. I just want him to talk longer so that I can somehow, somehow read these. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to hit play. So you're good. I'm, I'm whatever. All right. Go for it. Okay. So uh, the Iron Man story, we have uh, this crook breaks into uh, Stark Industries and uh, steals the new Iron Man armor. He's just a guy named Weasel. And he goes in and gets the the full suit, sneaks into Tony's office. The uh, briefcase wasn't rigged as it normally is to explode. And of course, murder off camera everyone who tries to touch it. So for some reason, he left without that. Um, he... I know I uh, heard the fear, the clicking. Uh, so the, uh, so the, he, up, he ends up fighting. Uh, Tony Stark has to get the old armor, which is powerful, but very slow, and just sort of weighed out this weasel guy in the armor. Who's, he took like a week to learn how to use it. So it was a plausible fight. Anyway, uh, he wins. Weasel is in trouble. Tony Stark makes him run out of batteries. Uh, already. And then we go to the Red Skull's first appearance in the Silver Age. With Captain America, and that's, there's a lot more.
1: (laughs) Okay, well, you
0: got about 52% of the way there. Not bad. It's not like when I talk about Craven's tights the whole time.
1: Yeah, well, they're worth talking about for at Uh least 60 seconds. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Um, what do we got now? Uh Oh, we got uh, Tales to Astonish, number 67, Uh, two stories. One's a giant man story. One's a Hulk story. Um, so the giant man story is the, uh, concisely titled the mystery of the hidden man and his rays of doom, uh, written by Stan Lee art by Bob Powell inked by chick stone. Uh, and then we have, uh, where strides the behemoth written by Stan Lee art by Steve Ditko, uh, inked by Frank Ray, uh, who is, uh, Frank Giacoya, uh, Giacoya, Giacoya. Yeah. Uh, again, working under a pen name, uh, moonlighting, um, so, how well do you remember either of these? Oh, barely.
0: okay at great. all. Uh, especially giant man, I just he just disappears in my brain. He shrinks to nothingness., <laughs> uh, yeah. and he just does some bumbling nonsense and then I forget. Um, okay, yeah. let's let's give it a try though.
1: Okay, go for it.
0: Okay, so we have a, a this this mysterious uh, the hidden man uh, who is shooting driving has a guy driving around in a station wagon shooting green rays at people and stealing their specific knowledge of certain things like a scientist who is a physicist he will just steal the physicist knowledge the guy wakes up doesn't remember physics he can talk walk just doesn't remember physics uh, throughout the story we have a giant man running around way too giant for no reason. Probably causing a lot of property damage that we don't see. Uh, he is always like 100 feet tall. Um, there's, some in, there's some stuff where the wasp is going to ride a bumblebee. Um, so they've trained bumblebees to be their, their more faster mode of transportation. Um, and eventually we find out that the hidden man is an alien and he goes back into space because he doesn't have get through uh, attacking giant man. Okay, now what the hell is next? The Hulk smashes some commies. <laughs> and, uh, and he, he goes back to America with Talbot.
1: <laughs> I mean, technically that's accurate, but like any 1960s Hulk story is Hulk smashes some commies.
0: <laughs> also Hulk talks like Hulk now fully in the last two issues. He's just Hulk this and Hulk that. Yeah. It took them a
1: uh, really long time to figure out how to write Hulk. Um, And they figured out uh, it took him a long time to figure out how the power is going to work. It's only recently gotten to the point where he gets uh, angry or anxious and then turns into the Hulk. Um, But then he uh, like at this point, he's still like if he gets too worked up when he's the Hulk, he turns back to Bruce Banner. So um, they're still working out the kinks there. Um, okay, uh, man, you only got, uh, two more to go. Okay. Uh, Sergeant Fury. Feel my blood pressure lowering. Yes. Uh, Sergeant Fury number 18 is your next issue. So, um, if you are only familiar with Nick Fury from the Marvel movies, um, you're probably wondering why this white guy is starring in Nick Fury and his Howling Commandos. Well, that's Nick Fury. It's a long story. Um, senior
0: uh, is how they, I think, reference it often now. now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, but the story is called Killed in Action. Um, it's written by Stan Lee. The art is by Dick Ayers, inked by Chick Stone. Uh, on the cover, it says, once again, sudden death claims another victim. You will never forget the ending of this powerful war masterpiece. Um, and the, uh, all the different portraits that you see on the side there, uh, those are all members of uh, Nick Fury's group of howling commandos um, and his girlfriend. So let's see how a 1960s Marvel comic handles this. Oh, okay. Uh,
0: are you ready yep okay <laughs> okay so uh nick gets sent to norway to blow up uh, a boat a nazi boat him him and the howling commandos uh before he leaves he there's an air raid he and pamela both go to their job she's a nurse so she's like i'm not gonna hide in a bunker i'm gonna go help people and then he goes and man's a gun and shoots down like a plane, single-handedly, because he's Nick Fury. Uh, so they uh, meet, they go to Norway to do this mission to blow up this boat. And uh, b- before they go, Nick buys a ring because he's gonna. He's decided he's going to propose to Pamela. That's so not a jinx. Yeah, and uh, then there's a lot of peril where we stay on different members of the Howlers, and you keep thinking, is this it? Uh, Nick gets the ring, it's on his dog tags, and it gets ripped off in a fight, and he jumps uh, into the water, the icy water, to buy it, uh-oh, and, or to save it. He comes back only to find out that Pamela died in an air raid while he was gone. Two, yeah. Bummer. Into the fridge, yeah. <laughs> yep. Fridged.
1: Oh, uh, man. man, yeah. Okay, well, um, let's try to uh, bring this back up a little bit. Um, okay. With, uh, By the way, if you've seen the little Spider-Man running around, that's my boy Jack. Um, I don't know where he is right now. He's doing whatever a spider can. Yeah. He's in the kids section. Excellent. Um, well, uh, this story is called Spider-Man Goes Mad. It's written by Stan Lee. Uh, art by <laughs> Steve Ditko. Um, pencils and inks because... That's how Ditko rolls. Um, nobody inks Ditko but Ditko. Yeah. So uh that's yeah, man, that's all the setup you need, right? Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, it's probably not as much as you need, but it's all I, you're gonna get.
1: Yeah. Uh go for it.
0: Okay, so uh Spider-Man. We start off with splash page of Spider-Man like falling back on a on a couch with a psychiatrist with image, like ghost images of Doc Ock and Vulture around him and Sandman. Uh he uh basically JJ. At the bugle decides he's gonna go out and elicit these surveys that based just to get people to say they hate Spider Man. So they big they make this big movement. It's just like news now. And uh, he uh, Spider Man starts to become hated by everyone because it seems like that's what's going on. Uh, while this is happening, there's this psychiatrist that comes into J Jonah Jameson and says does an article about how Spider Man's going to go crazy because his dual personas are gonna drive him mad and his power. Uh, Spider Man ends up. Uh, he's fighting nothing. He keeps thinking he sees his foes and fights them. He goes to see the psychiatrist, only to find out that this psychiatrist is Mysterio in disguise. Mysterio, go to jail.
1: (laughs) Nicely done. Nicely done.
0: You survived another round. Thank you. I can't I'm hoping season three maybe has less of that, but or was, twice as much. Yeah, or twice as, <sighs> as
1: much. Maybe that'll be the whole show. Um the just thing I really like about that segment is whether you do a really good job or a really bad job, it's good audio. Uh yeah. So I don't know. I yeah. just
0: I can't remember anything I say. I'm just feel like I'm in a shopping spree with a gun to my head. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's that's what I feel like. Nice. Uh okay, well, uh let's
1: let's move on to our uh the main event uh of our show tonight. Um, so, uh, you know, like we mentioned earlier, um, usually we'll cover a couple issues in detail, uh, and then just do the Marvel by a minute thing for the rest of it. Um, this month, uh, was actually kind of a crazy month for Marvel comics. Uh, there's four issues this month that all wind up intertwining in different ways and telling different parts of a very connected story. Um, it's a pretty convoluted piece of continuity, uh, but in, it includes some events that have major repercussions for the Marvel universe, uh, going forward. Um,
0: so yeah, yeah, we're, we've read a lot of Marvel comics at this point, uh, just for this podcast, we've read almost 300, uh, but of course we read all, all the other comics all the time. Um, so we're, you know, something of, of experts, but we know somebody who is, uh, Really, a historian of comics, and he's been on the show before. Uh, so, to break a, down a story this convoluted, we need help from him. So, please join us in welcoming writer, historian, and friend of the podcast, Douglas Wolk.
2: Thank you so much. Ah, oh,
1: thank you so much for joining us and uh, helping to um, you know pull our fat out of the fire on this one. <laughs> this is a crazy month of comics. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. um so uh, like but before we dive into this uh i think i want to give a sense of uh, douglas's bona fides here so <laughs> when we say that douglas has read a lot of marvel comics what we mean is that douglas has read all
2: the marvel comics i think that's accurate correct yeah um well all of them from 1961 to about 2018 or so yeah <laughs> so, you so know, about 27,000. only about 27,000 okay. marvel yeah. comics i'm writing yeah. a book about this <laughs> yes
1: uh yeah so uh, the book will be called all the marvels all of the marvels yeah. yeah yeah um and you also uh you have a
2: super great online community um that we are members of yes yes uh this is the 616 society if you go to patreon.com slash douglaswolk uh, that's how you sign up for this message board where we read one classic issue of some Marvel comic or other every day and discuss it. We just spent the last week going over House of X and Powers of Ten uh, with some comics that kind of contextualize them. And uh, in March, we're going to be looking at a whole bunch of Black Panther comics. Nice.
1: Yeah. It's. Uh, I really can't recommend this enough. Douglas does a great job just curating um, this amazing. Like you find connective tissue between issues that were published like 30 years apart from yeah. each other and mm-hmm. they're all telling bits and pieces <laughs> of this amazing story um, so yeah uh, if you are yeah, as big a nerd as we are um, you will definitely get more than your money's worth out of
0: this yeah I kind of wish we were just covering what Douglas was already talking about on the <laughs> forum then we'd have research uh, all of the It'd ba- be so yeah. much less work yeah. yeah yeah I mean and I frankly Brian does most of the work so you know <laughs> Uh, I I of course I'm here to be me yeah um, and make sounds there you go well yeah you you make
1: our music and our uh, logo and all that jazz yeah so you know it's all good
2: Um, can I just take 30 seconds to mention one more comic that you didn't manage to fit into this rundown of the May please, do. yeah Patsy and Heedy number 100 now what's Patsy and Heedy Patsy and Heedy is Patsy Walker who is now better known as Hellcat Mm -hmm. and her best friend Heedy Wolf and it both that and Patsy Walker were pretty much one big ongoing serial at this point. So Patsy and Hedy in number 100, they've just, the two girls have just graduated from high school and they're moving out of their parents' homes for the first time. And that's what's going on there. And soon they will get jobs and they'll become journalists and they'll start crisscrossing the country and then it'll all kind of car crash with an issue that's kind of half devoted to a profile of Peter and Gordon
1: all right <laughs>
0: yeah
2: <laughs> comics are amazing
1: yes
0: <laughs> yes it is one universe it yeah. becomes a it, more and more over time more it and becomes more time, yeah. a single universe everything that happened in the past i mean as we red skull just showed up now and, yeah. so and patsy have, and
2: Heidi will in fact show up in the fantastic four annual in just a few months wow oh,
1: oh nice. because
2: uh, we have a wedding coming we up. have a wedding coming oh, yeah we do. that's right yeah uh, so, you know, we
1: talk a little bit about like how interconnected this month of comics is and how the Marvel universe is, uh, you know, so interconnected at this point. And that was really that was unique. Right. Uh, in comics at this Pretty time. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, what it, the, it, and there's I think Stan Lee always um, kind of popularized this idea of the Marvel bullpen, you know, right. the, the bullpen of artists. Um, but what what was like Marvel looking like from a personnel perspective? perspective
2: there right was there. no bullpen uh there yeah, yeah. there there had been a bullpen there had been a room where everybody sat and worked back in the 50s for a while mm-hmm. after 1957 not so much the bullpen at this point was purely theoretical the people who worked there it was uh stan Lee and sal brodsky and a couple of other people and everybody else was just freelancers who just came in with their work wow that was the bullpen
1: yeah and stan was he was editing everything. He was editing everything. He was scripting everything. He
2: was scripting almost everything. His brother, Larry Lieber wrote uh, the script for, uh, I yes. believe, Rawhide Kid. Yeah. Yeah. We,
1: okay. We've we talked about yeah. Larry on yeah, this Larry's, podcast Larry's before. Larry's touched a lot of things. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, well, uh, and Flo Steinberg was the yes, other. Person oh, yeah, in the right, yeah, yeah. Oh. fabulous Flo.
1: Yep, she was uh, stuffing all those Mary Marvel Marching Society fan envelopes yeah. with yeah certificates and things. Um, well, okay, so we're going to be um, uh, covering all this uh, this stuff. We're going to be bouncing back and forth between uh, four issues that Marvel published this month. Um, so we've got X Men number eleven, um, which is the Triumph of Magneto, written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, inked by Chick Stone. Uh, we've got Journey Into Mystery, number 116, which is a Thor comic. Um, uh, the story is called The Trial of the Gods, uh, written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby. And in this issue, uh, Vince Cales started inking, uh, and I think remains the regular inker for a long, long time. Uh, Fantastic Four, number 38, Defeated by the Frightful Four, written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, inked by Chick Stone. And Avengers, number 16, The Old Order Changeth written by Stan Lee, art by Jack Kirby, uh, I think layouts by Jack Kirby, maybe? Uh, And inks by Dick Ayers or something like that. Um, Dude's drawing like 110
2: pages a month at this point. Yeah, (laughs) seriously.
1: Kirby, (laughs) I don't know when he slept. I don't know if he slept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So uh, let's go ahead. Let's just jump in um, and uh, talk X-Men number 11. Um, So... uh, I think Rob and I have some notes here, but Douglas, please jump in for additional context and color commentary where it makes sense to do so. Okay. Um, so uh, our story begins. Uh, Professor X has detected Ooh. an incredibly powerful super being. Um, it's, uh, and, uh, Cyclops is concerned he might be the most dangerous mutant we've ever faced. Uh, so uh, Professor X dispatches the X-Men to try and locate this stranger uh, before Magneto does, because right now at this point, um, basically professor X and Magneto, they're like, uh, rival athletic directors at very competitive colleges. And they're always trying to like recruit high profile. That's talents. It. it is it.
2: If that is rival athletic thing. directors both ran child armies.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Child, <laughs> child armies too. It's prob- problematic. I say that, you know, you know what it means? Yes. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the stranger has rented a room, uh, somewhere else in the city and he's, he's just got, he's asked for, um, for the rent and he just conjures a fistful of money out of nowhere and uh which makes the landlady very happy. Yeah. Um as as you can see, well, not here but you can see that she's uh she's awestruck by this load of cash and has no more questions. Doesn't want to <laughs> doesn't know where doesn't care where it came from, it's there. Yeah.
1: Uh, Uh, I also like the way that she basically looks like for those who are familiar with Jack Kirby's 1970s stuff for DC. She basically looks like granny Goodness's second cousin. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So uh, first draft there. Uh, Uh, So then the stranger, uh, he decides to uh, go for a walk through the air Uh, in case you hadn't caught on to the fact that there's something a little weird about this guy. um, He finds himself being drawn toward a particular building um, and Magneto and his brotherhood of evil mutants, are waiting inside.
0: And (laughs) meanwhile, back at the X-Men, with the X-Men, they're nearby already looking for the Stranger. Cyclops overhears two cops talking about the Stranger. The X-Men start heading toward the building that he was seen entering. So now everybody's converging on this Magneto point.
1: Yes, Um, so uh, inside uh, we've got Magneto. He's given the Stranger the hard cell, demonstrating his magnetic power. Um, the stranger winds up being wildly unimpressed uh, by the whole presentation, um, and he responds by uh, turning Mastermind into what he describes as a solid block of matter, which, I mean, he was before that, yeah. um, but it's a different kind of matter.
0: Um, and More it, solid.
1: Yes. Dense. W- winds up crashing
0: through the floor um, and uh, causing a giant ruckus. Um, so the commotion attracts the attention of the X-Men. Uh, they enter the building through the hole in the wall that the stranger just blasted. Uh, The X-Men and the Brotherhood start fighting. The Stranger departs in a cone of energy uh, and takes Magneto and Toad with him, leaving Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch alone. So this cone of energy just looks like a a dust devil, um, which was, you know, a weapon of some. Yeah. Yeah. Kirby
1: loves drawing these. Yeah. So,
0: um, yeah, we
1: see that show up a lot. Uh, So then uh, the uh, so Magneto and Toad have taken off with the Stranger. Um, The Scarlet Witch and uh, Quicksilver are left behind um, and uh, they decide that they have had enough of Magneto. So they were reluctant members of this evil mutant brotherhood uh, to begin with. The only reason they were sticking around is because Magneto saved them from uh, a mob of villagers. Uh, in their Eastern European hometown. Um, but they have considered like their debt, whatever they owed to him, has been fully repaid by this point, and they quit. Uh, they're
2: like, we're out of here. This Didn't is- they help him like overthrow the government of a small South American nation back in yeah. so number four? Yeah, oh, that's yeah, going to come did. back to bite them. <laughs> yeah. Very soon.
1: Yeah. Oh, yes. 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 Um, so this right here is basically where uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Wish decide to quit the Brotherhood. That's kind of the pivotal point for what this month of comics is about but uh let's just go ahead and wrap up uh the rest of what
0: happens because it's pretty zany uh yeah so the stranger takes magneto and toad to a forest uh he reveals that he's a traveler from the stars whose people study mutations He travels from planet to planet collecting specimens and Magneto and Toad are just the specimens he's been looking for. So he's basically just getting some stuff for his zoo. Um, Yeah. Yeah. uh, He transmutes them and himself into energy and departs earth as the X-Men watch, uh, which seems like that's a pretty good solution. Magneto has been transmuted to energy. Good day. Um,
1: And he says, we shall never return. And I'm sure that will be the case. I'm sure that's the last (laughs) we've ever seen of Magneto in a Marvel comic.
0: So that the X-Men return to Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters and update their enemies list, uh, it looks like everything is going to be pretty chill from here on out.
1: Yeah, so you got Magneto's off the board, Mastermind's
2: off the board, <laughs> Toad's off the board, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver have quit the have quit evil. Scarlet um, Witch and Quicksilver in the meantime, over in Heroes and Legends 1997.
1: Ah, uh, yes, 1997.
2: Uh, written by James Felder, drawn by Sal Buscema, Dick Ayers, Steve Ditko, Gil Kane, and a cast of thousands, and apparently originally meant to be scripted by Stan Lee, but he ended up not scripting it. Uh, immediately after this, they've gone to the Balkans. Uh, Magneto comes after them. They say, "No, no, no, we're done with you. And then they rescue a guy in sort of traditional Tyrolean garb from a avalanche of some kind and uh, he invites them to to come stay with them and we'll see where that goes Oh, okay
0: great yeah he looks like i mean that's what i would just call a yodeler for yeah. my you know yes, shorthand a, a Ricola man <laughs> yeah yeah
1: exactly um great well so you know everything's looking cool for the x-men uh but then all of a sudden uh, uh professor x's mutant detecting device cerebro this is what it looked like in 1965 it wasn't a cool like circular room with holograms and patrick stewart wearing a colander on his head um uh, this is what it was just a thing he had in his desk it's yeah. going crazy uh, cerebros detected a new menace the most powerful deadly enemy they've ever faced is almost upon them who is it tune in next episode true believers <laughs> okay hanger so that takes uh that takes care of the x-men uh for this month so we're going to jump over now to avengers number 16. Uh, So this issue uh, picks up exactly where last issue uh, left off. And there's two main storylines that are playing out here. So uh, the first is uh, in New York City, uh, Zemo's Masters of Evil. All bad guy teams in the 1960s had to have evil in their name just so you knew specifically. It's like, you know, they really committed. Uh, They commit not not like supervillains today with their avocado toast and their, (laughs) um, but, uh, yeah, so you have, uh, Zemo's masters of evil, um, are, uh, facing off against iron man, Thor giant man, and the wasp, which is basically the entire Avengers lineup minus captain America. So where's cap? Well, um, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, do you want to talk about what, uh, is happening here? Um, in, uh, in New York, yeah, in New York. So, yeah. so
0: they're facing off. The, the Sans cap, cap and uh, Thor transports the Melter and the Black Knight to another dimension with a magic space warp thing. It's Again, one of, it's Kirby a thing loves he drawing those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he whirls his hammer a certain way and space warp. And uh, but because they're Asgardians, the Enchantress and Executioner knew what Thor was about to do, and you know, like took a step back. Pretty simple. Uh, so they avoided the whirling time warp. Uh, we'll we'll see what they get up to in just a minute. And the Avengers defeat Melter and Black Knight easily. Hooray. Hooray. End okay. of ep- No. Yeah. Uh, so that takes, uh, takes care of a couple
1: of our baddies here. Um, meanwhile. Uh, but
2: note that the Enchantress and uh, the Executioner have snuck off. Yes. Yeah. They just so,
1: stepped out of the warp and walked away. Yep. Um, so now we cut to uh, Zemo's South American lair. I mean. He's a Nazi war criminal. Where else is he going to be hiding out? (laughs) Uh, So Captain America has just rescued Rick Jones, um, and he's kind of sort of helped Zemo accidentally kill himself. Uh, So Zemo's uh, mercenaries are really not too happy with the fact that their meal ticket has just been punched. (laughs) Uh, So Cap drives them back into the jungle, uh, but not before they uh, destroy the only plane at the base. So now Cap and Rick are stranded in the Amazon, And they start having to make their way back to New York. But, you know, it's a tedious process. So it takes a while for them
0: to get there. Um, And back in New York, we have Iron Man, Wasp, and Giant Man sitting around Avengers Mansion wondering what they should do next. So Thor's not there. Wasp says he muttered something about a trial of the gods and ran off. So now Thor's missing. Keep it, yeah. Keep, in, keep that in mind. Trial of the gods. And well, and so they still uh, don't know where Cap is at all, and they haven't heard from him. So they're, he's just lost in the Amazon. Wasp suggests that they take a leave of absence. Uh, she just wants to lead a normal life for a while. She just wants a vacation. And uh, Iron Man does her one better and su- suggests that the Avengers disband entirely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty big meeting. Uh, Yep. Um, So, you know, they're all kind of down. All of a sudden, uh, the meeting room fills with smoke. They discover an arrow is embedded in the door. (laughs) Uh, They go to investigate, and they find their butler, Jarvis, is all tied up. Um, And Hawkeye, the archer, uh, who at this point, uh, we've only known him as a villain in the Iron Man comics. Um, So he's a bad guy. Uh, He's standing over Jarvis. um, And Hawkeye tells them, it's like, whoa, 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 I'm here as a friend. Uh, this whole villain thing is just a misunderstanding, um, and he's—I mean—and Iron Man just you know kind of goes along with this, despite the fact that Hawkeye was literally melting his armor with acid arrows like one month ago. Uh, but he's like, "Oh, okay. I mean, you broke in, you tied up my butler, um, but you're not a bad guy." Your story yeah, sounds cool, plausible. cool,
0: cool. Yeah, cool. So, uh, Hawkeye's commie girlfriend, the Black Widow, was betrayed by her Soviet masters, and he's not sure if she's alive or dead. Uh, He's heartbroken. He's at a a dead end, super career-wise, and he wants to make amends by joining the Avengers and doing heroic stuff. Yeah. So uh, Hawkeye frees Jarvis uh, by shooting, like, three arrows at once, super dangerously to untie him, uh, and uh, Iron Man, Giant Man, and Wasp unanimously agree to let him join. So...
2: It seems like it seems really quick and weird. Now, again, there's some later context for this. Okay. There's a 2005 series uh, called Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, which has a, a long sequence that's kind of stories taking place around these mm-hmm. events. And in one of them, Jarvis sees some stuff about Hawkeye, manages to set up a meeting with him before all this, and says, Look, I know that you've kind of put, found yourself in a bad situation. Let's talk about this. I think I have a way to get you into my guy's good graces.
0: Oh, so Jarvis really helped him he out. He was an inside arrow. man.
2: And so it's the, the, like, I'm going to tie you up and shoot the ropes off you thing. Like, that's something they kind of planned out in advance. That's okay. I, love that. <laughs> I feel a little the, bit better about that. That
0: retconning, yeah. you know, so we don't have to know that Jarvis was just tied up and had an arrows shot at him and everyone was cool with that. Yeah, yeah. I think my
1: favorite part of uh, Hawkeye being made. Uh, a member of the Avengers is that uh, the first thing that Iron Man does after this is he gives Hawkeye an Avengers manual <laughs> so he can study their bylaws uh, because early Avengers stories were like very heavy on parliamentary procedure. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird. Yep. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, so now uh, they got it in their head. It's like, okay, uh, we're going to take a leave of absence. We got to kind of backfill our ranks here. Um, so the, uh, the next day, the Avengers continue their recruiting drive at the bottom of the ocean um, they offer Namor the Submariner uh, membership, uh, but he turns them down flat. Uh, he does, though, seem pretty flattered by the offer, um, and I think, like, sometime in the mid to late '80s, he actually does wind up joining the team. But uh, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't at some point? And of
2: course, this is shortly before a thing that you guys talked about last time. Yes, which is when he comes to New York in search of a lawyer. Oh, yes. Yeah. Meeting Matt we'll, Murdock. Yes, yeah, we'll yep. see. We'll see how that plays out shortly.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, in Switzerland, uh, Quicksilver has just seen a newspaper article about the Avengers offering Hawkeye <laughs> membership, and he thinks uh, that if freaking Hawkeye can be an Avenger, then he and Wanda shouldn't have any trouble joining either. Which is an excellent point. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, they have powers and uh, weren't as villainous. Yep, pers- I mean, kind of in that South American thing, but uh, <laughs> so he tells Wanda that he wants to fight on the side of right with a team that won't constantly remind him that they're mutants. That's the main reason they're not going to join the X Men. They just don't want all this mutant stuff. Yeah, uh,
1: and and because the Scarlet Witch is a lady in a 1960s Scarlet Marvel comic. Witch, yeah.
2: Wanda Maximoff, the Pretender. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. even
1: more. Th- yeah, so Scarlet Witch just goes along with whatever her brother says. It's like, yeah, okay, that's fine. Like, We'll just go along with your plan because you're the dude in the story. Um, and that's how my 1960s Marvel comics work. Yeah. Um, so uh, in New York, the Avengers are holding a press conference to introduce Hawkeye as the newest Avenger. Um, it's just... Why is Giant Man, like, why is he 12 feet tall? Like, Can't he just be normal size and sit in a normal why chair? Did, why did they have to make a special chair for him? It just, yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Iron Man refuses to answer any questions about Thor or Captain America who aren't on stage uh, because
0: he has no idea uh, where they are or what they're doing. So, you know, just evade. Uh, It turns out that Cap has finally fought his way through the Amazon and he and Rick are on their way to a seaport where they're going to arrange transportation back to the States. Uh, Wanda and Pietro sail into New York where Tony Stark meets them and drives them to Avengers Mansion. So they were right. No problems. Yep. Um, Cap and Rick finally make it to LaGuardia where Cap rents a car and I have a lot of questions (laughs) about the logistics of how that went down. Yeah, uh, he's more (laughs) than 28. Yeah, but, he does have that, you know, like super government yeah. clearance yeah. too. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, but
1: I mean, like, is he carrying credit cards on him? Just, like, just cash, just, just
0: coins, just just <laughs> billet to the Avengers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so they drive to Avengers Mansion. They see a huge crowd outside. Cap spring springboards <laughs> off his rental car. So I hope he got the extra coverage. Uh, <laughs> and uh, through a second story window. He locates the Avengers and learns about the changing of the guard. Iron Man is basically like, yeah, we're all quitting, and we hired three supervillains as your new teammates. Have fun. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, we're
1: getting close to the end of this issue, uh, but let's go ahead and stick a pin in it. Uh, and we're going to hop over to Journey into Mystery, uh, number 116. We're going to find out uh, where Thor went after he took care of Melter and the Black Knight. Uh, again, you remember Wasp and something about a trial of the gods, and that's all she knew.
0: Yeah, he was here at the start of the issue, yeah. battled a couple of villains, and then was just gone.
1: Yeah. So this is where he went. Um, so uh, a little bit of backstory. So in a previ- in the previous issue of uh, Journey into Mystery, uh, Thor uh, Loki kidnapped Jane Foster, um, who is Thor's mortal love. He stole her away to Asgard. Uh, Thor pursued them. He fought Loki, um, only to have the battle interrupted by Odin, their dad. Uh, dad. Dad. Uh, Loki claimed that Thor brought Jane to Asgard himself in order to make her an immortal, and Thor is all like, uh-uh. <laughs> and despite the fact that Odin is all-seeing he can't figure out which one of his sons to believe the one who behaves honorably in literally every single situation or the one who lies constantly about everything Um, so uh, Odin orders both Thor and Loki to undergo the The trial trial of of the gods. gods yeah uh, so uh, Odin sends Loki and Thor to Skornheim, uh, where even immortals may find death. Uh, they're supposed to be unarmed. Uh, Thor surrenders Mjolnir in Asgard. Uh, but of course, Loki doesn't play by the rules. He's smuggled uh, some enchanted Norn stones to Skornheim. Uh, these words are so much fun to say. I love yeah. I love the Norse mythology stuff.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so Loki uses one of these Norn stones to show Thor that he dispatch the en- Enchantress and Executioner to go after Jane Foster. So he he wants Thor to know the whole time that his mortal love is under threat of these yahoos. Um, so, uh, but of course Loki doesn't, uh, so wait, sorry. Yeah. So that's what they got up af- uh, after they escaped from the Avengers is they went straight after Jane Foster. Um, Thor and Loki are in a race to make it to a dimensional barrier that leads back to Asgard. So We've got total video game, you know, logic going on now. Um, uh, Loki uses his magic Norn stones to cheat his way through deadly obstacles. Thor doesn't cheat despite knowing that Jane is in peril um, because so it's a real goofus and gallant situation. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, And then uh, meanwhile, back in Asgard, uh, Balder interrupts Odin in the bathtub, uh, and he shows Odin that Loki has sent the executioner and enchantress to menace Jane Foster. Odin doesn't like the fact that Thor is in love with Jane. Um, uh, He doesn't like that his immortal son is in love with a mortal, um, but he's not about to let her be used to sway the outcome of the trial. Uh, So Odin orders Balder to head to Earth and rescue Jane from the immortal Asgardians.
0: And, and just you know, one
1: second, that's a,
0: a really cool bathtub. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a uh, very good bathtub. I spent a lot of time looking at that bathtub and and thinking about that bathtub after I read this. That was, <laughs> which, that's which is why I don't remember many other comic books. Yeah, uh,
1: also good horse. Jack Kirby could draw a really good horse. <laughs> like it's it's less common than you would think. Yeah. Yes, the dude totally hates his job. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, he just holds Here. Odin's
0: towel Here's while Odin's towel, bathing. Odin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so um, now let's take a quick hop back to Avengers 16. Right. Yes. Uh, this is where the new Avengers lineup is about to be introduced to the world. Um, so <laughs> yep. So they're, that's
1: they're, it. They're heading out the door, <laughs> um, and now we're back to Journey into Mystery. Um, now we see that uh, with the Avengers otherwise occupied, uh, there's no one to assist Jane Foster as she's fleeing from the Enchantress uh, and the Executioner. So this is all happening in New York, but uh, there's all you've got is a bunch of very concerned citizens who are standing up to uh, uh, Enchantress and Executioner. Um, and this feels—it uh, actually feels like a very direct response to uh, the story of uh, Kitty Genovese. Um, who was uh, she was murdered a year ago um, when this issue came out uh, in new york and you know as the urban legend goes uh dozens of her neighbors heard her cries and no one helped out um and it became sort of like a metaphor for the uh, the decline of the american city um, but I feel like this is very intentional, um, on Stan and Jack's part of like showing it's like New Yorkers come to the aid of a woman, even if she's being menaced
0: by super villains. <laughs> oh, gods. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a member of Rick Jones Teen brigade sees everything happening. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, the Teen brigade, it's a group of teenage dudes who are ham radio enthusiasts. So <laughs> they just, they're like truckers without trucks. Um, <laughs> So sort of like Twitter of its day, except they actually try to be informative and helpful. So he, he tries to contact Rick Jones, but there's no answer. He's in a top priority meeting and of the Avengers. So he tries to radio Avengers HQ directly, but no one's there to take the call.
1: Yeah. So then uh, he looks out his window and he sees Daredevil. <laughs> Jumping by. Um, and he tries to get uh, Daredevil's attention, um, but Daredevil is busy trying to track down Namor the Submariner, which happened in last month's comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all very connected and convoluted.
0: Also, just cross promo.
1: Yes. Stands jam. Yep. Um, and so uh, then this Teen Brigade year uh, tries radioing the Baxter building, uh, but it seems uh, the Baxter building is where the Fantastic Four have their headquarters. Um uh but it seems unoccupied. Uh the Frightful Four, um, who are like the evil opposite of the Fantastic Four, uh, they're hovering outside the Baxter building. Uh they take this as proof that the Fantastic Four didn't survive the explosion that the Frightful Four detonated.
2: Wait, what explosion? Yeah, what explosion? So right,
1: let's uh let's hop over to Fantastic Four number thirty-eight. Um so uh this issue Starts out with... I <laughs> love this intro. This starts out with Reed, Ben, and Johnny looking at some absurdly huge photographs of their recent journey to the Skrull
0: galaxy. Uh, um, and uh, yeah, so then... Um, uh, Sue sneaks up on Reed uh, while invisible and playfully musses up his hair. Uh, the boys take this as their cue to roughhouse because that's what they're always doing is property damage. Um, but they roughhouse with her, and then it gets... Ben takes things too far uh, <laughs> by bending Sue over his knee and it looks like he's threatening to spank her um, and there's no way that didn't turn out to be someone's incredibly specific fetish <laughs> yeah uh, so
1: uh Johnny, quite understandably, uh, flames on and takes off. He's like, I want no part of everything that's happening here. Um, He spots a flying man in the sky, but before he can pursue him, uh, the figure vanishes. Uh, The flying man is the wizard, uh, (laughs) who is still trying to get everyone to call him the wingless wizard,
0: uh, which no one's ever going to do. No one's ever going to do.
1: Yeah, so he's the leader of this anti-Fantastic
0: Four, the Frightful Four. Uh they also roughhouse in their they roughhouse in their clubhouse. Um it's not nearly as friendly yeah, or weird. weirdly sexual. Yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> just roughhousing. Yeah. The former uh paste pot Pete announces that he's changing his name to the Trapster, which is better, I guess. Not a the whole no, lot. It's, but, not, it's uh, absolutely uh, and not better. He's expanding his repertoire from paste to paste and traps <laughs> uh so he definitely won't have to deal with 55 years of people teasing him about his original identity yeah. and is and being the trapster everybody makes fun of Pastepot pete and the trapster forever yeah yeah and he still gets work he's got a great
1: agent mm-hmm. um so uh the next day sue storm is at an exclusive east side fashion house she's looking at some kind of wedding stuff we don't really know much about this and i'm really pretty certain that Stan doesn't either. I think he knew less. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Her designer turns out to be her evil opposite in the Frightful Four, Madame (laughs) Medusa. Uh, The Frightful Four kidnap her and fly off with her back at the Baxter building.
0: Reed tries in vain to
1: find out where the Frightful Four have taken Sue.
0: Uh, It turns out they've set up a base on a remote Pacific Atoll where underground nuclear tests have recently been abandoned by a powerful Asian power. Yeah. They used
1: the word... Uh, Other than Asian Uh, Not a super offensive word But not one that we would use anymore There's a fair amount of like having to mentally Replace words in some of these Early comics so that you Can retain some fondness for them
0: (laughs) Uh, The wizard has built A massive atomic Q Bomb under the surface of the Atoll when we imprisoned Sue Next to it Uh, So this is Kirby's Q bomb
1: Yep What does Q stand for? We don't know
0: um, it's further down the alphabet, therefore more dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah, the uh, the Frightful Four return to the Baxter building. Reed, Ben, and Johnny rush out to meet them. Without much of a plan, Johnny gets captured. He's also taken to the atoll. Uh, and then uh, Reed and Ben pursue the Frightful Four in their pogo plane. The Frightful Four smash it. Um, and then uh, Reed and Ben free Johnny. And then everyone gets into a big old fight.
0: <laughs> and meanwhile, Sue manages to free herself uh, because this might be a 1960s Marvel comic, but Sue is a boss. Yeah, she is. Uh, so she's learning her force field uh, powers, and she manages to force the the, the pasty trap that she's in apart uh, using that. Um, ben hears her under the surface and smashes his way through to find her. Uh, the Frightful Four take this opportunity to ski-daddle and arm the Q-bomb. Yeah. So with no way
1: off the island, it looks like the Fantastic Four are done for. The bomb goes off. The Frightful Four are convinced that the FF are dead. But the last thing we see is that Sue managed to protect them with one of her force fields. And Ben is transforming back into a human being, which is something that happens um, fairly often. so uh, what happens next? Well, to be continued, true believers. But this
0: finally explains why the Frightful Four, back in the other comic, we're talking about the Baxter building being abandoned due to the giant explosion.
1: Yep. Q-bomb. So there's the giant explosion.
2: Uh, so. Just a moment. Okay. Oh. I'm going to interrupt right here. Do it. Because there's a couple later comics that explain a couple of very important things that happen right here. This one is Thunderbolts number nine from 1997. <laughs> Part of it is set in that that period's comics. Uh, So the Thunderbolts, I'm going to spoil the beginning of Thunderbolts for all of you, uh, are actually the then masters of evil posing as superheroes so that everybody will trust them while the Avengers are away doing what they're doing. And in this issue, a couple of them, Mach 1 and Songbird, uh, previously uh, screaming Mimi and somebody else, (laughs) uh, run into uh, Black Widow. And Black Widow tells them, listen, I don't know for sure what you guys' story is, but I have a pretty good idea who you're working for, what you might want to think about. Let me tell you a little story about the time that three former felons joined the Avengers. And so she tells a story of what happened during Avengers 16, which is that the new members of the Avengers all come out and introduce themselves. And that's when the popular front for Santo Marco shows up demanding justice for Santo Marco, because what are you doing bringing terrorists onto the Avengers? Mm-hmm. These people tried to overthrow the sovereign government of Santo Marco just a few months ago, and now you're making them Avengers. And Who's this? Hawkeye? This is a saboteur? You're putting him on the team? What's going on here? So eventually they were able to, you
0: know.
2: Retcon this ret- outrage. Th- they were, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> get people less outraged than they managed to stop the radioactive man, gotten the public's good graces. But the Black Widow was saying, like, you know. I'm not saying who you are and I'm not saying who you're not, but I'm saying I've been a spy for a real long time and you might really want to think about what side you're actually on. That's the first part of the story. The next part of the story comes Ooh. out in Avengers number 1.1 from 2016. I remember that, yeah. uh, This is a, a Mark Wade and somebody else. I want to say Paul Neary, uh, somebody else. Uh, So this also starts with the introduction, Mark Mark Wade Barry hits and the Mark Farmer. This also starts with the introduction of the new Avengers and a near riot breaking out because you've just put a bunch of terrorists on the Avengers. Uh, They rush back inside. Everybody's real uncomfortable with it. This is being covered on TV, and the Frightful Four are back at their headquarters having recently, you know, left the Fantastic Four to die somewhere in the Pacific, (laughs) and they see this on TV, and they go, this is our opportunity, and they fly off in their grav sphere to Avengers Mansion, beat the bejesus out of the new Avengers, (laughs) say, we're done here, and fly away off to... Oh.
1: Ah. Wow, that's a so lot. Then, yeah, wow, okay. Uh, so yeah, so cutting back to what we just saw early with the Frightful Four buzzing uh, the Baxter building. Uh, so they're going to go break into the Baxter building, uh, but then they see this flaming figure dropping from the sky. Um, and uh, uh, they, th- they think it's the Human Torch. Very, well, who else would it be? Right, yeah. An on-fire thing. person showing up near the Baxter building. So they they get out of there, uh, but it turns out it's not the Human Torch. It's Balder from Journey into Mystery, from Asgard. Uh, he's arrived on Earth to deal with the Enchantress and Executioner and protect Jane Foster. So <laughs> she's okay now.
0: So this cr- crossover is... Continue. Uh yes. meanwhile, back on Skornheim, uh Thor is struggling to keep up with Loki, who's still using his Norn stones to bypass every deadly obstacle. Uh Thor finally catches him, but he's too weak to stop Loki from reaching the dimensional barrier barrier to Asgard. So Loki basically crosses the finish line first. Uh he's won the trial of the gods. What's going to happen to Thor? Well, huh? tune in next month. <laughs> There you go. Um, So that's a couple of downer
1: endings uh, to end the show on. So uh, we're going to go ahead and pop back over to Avengers 16 one last time to wrap this up. Um, So uh, Iron Man, Giant Man, and Wasp stay inside of Avengers Mansion as Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, and Hawkeye greet their adoring public. And so as the new Avengers accept the cheers of the crowd, a new era begins. Uh, And that wraps up our month of Marvel Comics. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but
1: wait, <laughs> but wait. The story doesn't end here. So Douglas has already referred to a lot of these, uh, these side stories uh, And I think this really sums up one of the things that I think we really love about Marvel Comics generally, um, which is just that you know this is a hugely important uh, month in, uh, in Marvel history. So you know, the Fantastic Four have just suffered their, first, their worst defeat up until this point in their careers. Uh, Thor has lost the trial of the gods to Loki. Uh, The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, who the X-Men fought about 35 times in their first 11 issues, uh, they're no more. Um, Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch have gone from reluctant villains to now being heroes. Magneto and Toad are no longer on Earth. Uh, Mastermind has been turned into a lump of coal or whatever. Uh, The Avengers have a completely new lineup for the first time. Three quarters of them are are, uh, former villains. So, you know, this is, you know, as Douglas has mentioned, this is A story um, uh, a month of stories that uh writers years later will come back and revisit and find little ways to add detail and uh and retroactively you know adjust some of the plotting um and i think that's one of the really that's one of the things that i think i speak for all of us here that we love about marvel is that it's a living history you know even though you know it's convoluted it's convoluted (laughs) but there's always something you know the more you are into this there's always something more to discover, um, you know, and uh, I think that's great. Uh, so, you know, um, and Douglas, thank you so much. You you, thank m- you you might be a watcher. You might not. I'm yeah, not we think you are, sure. you
0: are a
2: watcher. Yeah. yeah. This store will sell you any of these comics, by the way. I mean. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: Uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, everything that um, that Douglas was elaborating on and everything we've alluded to, I mean, just consider that a tease for season 37 of this show, uh, which will come your way sometime in 2045. Uh, <laughs> nice. So uh, yeah, um, so that's our show. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's has been a blast uh thank you douglas for helping us sort out this incredibly elaborate continuity uh helping us you know sound like we know what we're talking about just a little bit
0: he Um, he helped a bit before we got here as as he does occasionally he's like you know that that wasn't the actual published date he told you know he will help us through when we're really puzzled
1: yeah um it's it would definitely be trickier to do this show without douglas and folks like douglas who are uh, very interested in this uh, and have a depth of uh, knowledge that um, I thought I knew a lot about Marvel Comics before I (laughs) met
0: uh, Douglas and uh, yeah. It's just—it's wonderful it, to have him in our corner. These two guys make me feel like just a normal guy who doesn't read comics <laughs> a lot of the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so please uh,
1: definitely sign up for the 616 Society at patreon.com slash Douglas Wolk. Um, when this episode goes up uh, on our feed, uh, we'll definitely have that in the liner notes, but um, please be sure to do that. Um, and uh, you know, thank you to Barb and Barb. Uh, Katie and Douglas and Rob uh, for performing... <laughs> The best theme song in all of podcasting. <laughs> uh, I will absolutely stand on that. Um, Sarah, thank you so much to my wife, Sarah, and my son, Jack, for running the merch table. Um, if you want a pin or a magnet or a sticker or a t-shirt, uh, head over there. Um, and uh, our good friend JL here on the ones and the twos, uh, manning our soundboard. Um, We're going to have this episode up in our feed next week. Um, There will be a YouTube version of this uh, to follow. Um, And huge Mm -hmm. thanks once again to uh, Katie. Uh, Thank you so much for having us here. Yeah, And having us do our first ever live show here. uh, It's just, it's a blast. Um, We were not expecting to be at this point with the show uh, so soon, but yeah. And we, there's nowhere we'd rather be doing this.
0: Uh, You can follow us on Instagram. At Marvel by the Month, find us on the internet, marvelbythemonth.com. Drop us a line, marvelbythemonth at gmail.com. And now we're going to go head over to the Nerd Out at Southeast 33rd and Belmont for a little after party. So please join us. We will be over there as soon as I can shuck all this gear back to home first (laughs) uh but i live near there so that'll help yeah um so that's it that is that is
1: everything yeah i think so
0: um so for marvel by the month my name is brian stratton and i'm rob mill
1: and we will see you next week for next month good night night. everybody thank you (laughs)